Hey everybody, I'm Kate Oliveira. I'm executive producer of CNA Newsroom. Before we begin this episode, I wanted to make a quick announcement. J.D. Flynn, CNA's editor-in-chief and the longtime host of this podcast, resigned from his position at the end of last year to pursue other projects. J.D. often said that CNA Newsroom was one of his favorite podcasts. I wish I could express to you the pride he felt when we took home the prize for best podcast at the Catholic Press Association's annual convention. J.D. was closely involved in our decisions about what to talk about week after week and who to talk with. He always poured his passion, his wit, his great ideas into every episode. A lot of people have reached out to us asking about the future of this podcast, considering J.D.'s departure. I want to let you know that this podcast will continue. We'll keep bringing you great Catholic stories. But there will be some small changes over the next couple of months, and we'll be sure to let you know of those changes as they come. In the meantime, I will share hosting duties with our assistant producer, Jonah McKeown. Thanks, guys. Now for the episode. We spent a lot of time thinking about what we wanted to focus on for this episode, the first episode of the new year. 2020 was such a difficult year in so many ways, and we thought it would be important to begin this new year of CNA Newsroom with a voice of hope. And as we talked about the stories of hope that we could share, we kept finding ourselves looking back to 2020. Not at the long list of the obvious things, the nearly 2 million victims of coronavirus worldwide, the election. Instead, what came to mind were some of the blessings of 2020. For me, the greatest blessing of 2020 was the birth of my son, my first child, Benjamin. Ben's four months now. He's rolling over. His newborn cry has been replaced with these screeches that kind of make him sound like a pterodactyl. He spends a lot of time smiling, and sometimes he even giggles. I can't imagine my life without him. But there have been other blessings. 2020 was the first year my husband and I spent both Thanksgiving and Christmas at our own home. Typically, we traveled to see family. It was quiet, but it was refreshing. Another blessing, we've started praying together more regularly. This week on the podcast, we talk with a few Catholics about the small and big blessings they experienced in 2020. Father Harrison Eyre of the podcast Clerically Speaking shares about his new book, Finding Christ in the Crisis, and the personal spiritual renewal behind it. Catholic writer Leah Labresco describes how she maintained a sense of community despite coronavirus restrictions. Then, the head of a Catholic theater company talks about how the pandemic inspired him to bring back the tradition of radio plays. You're listening to CNA Newsroom, the podcast that brings you the people behind the headlines. I'm Kate Oliveira, and I'll be your host this week. Stay with us. As you look back, um the phrase that keeps on coming to my mind was a time of being dazed and confused. Father Harrison Eyre is a priest of the Diocese of Victoria in Canada and co-host of the podcast Clerically Speaking. His diocese, like virtually every other, suspended public masses last March. That moment is forever imprinted in his brain. He often wonders if he could have done more for his people during that unprecedented time. I look back and I think to myself, oh, I could have, could have done more pastorally here and there. And I didn't, but I also am quite 
giving of myself in that regard because I think, man, you know, I think we were just all dazed and confused and no one knew what to do because no one has any, most, virtually everyone has no experience with a, a worldwide pandemic to, to base this off of. Despite the early days of lockdown being a challenging and scary time in so many ways, Father Harrison remembers something else that happened during that time. For me personally, it was actually a time of, of great spiritual renewal. My prayer life was never as good as it was in those three months of kind of initial lockdowns and um, closures and stuff. And it was a really uh, a time of intimacy with the Lord and, and praying, really interceding for the church. A big part of that spiritual renewal was Father Harrison's reading of the Bible. The Bible is not a, just a historical document that tells us about the past, but rather it's something living. Right? God is speaking to the church today through the events in life of Scripture. Scripture is something always alive. The global lockdown caused Father Harrison to read certain Bible passages with a fresh set of eyes, like the story of Israel's exile to Babylon in the Old Testament. Where they lost the temple, they lost the kingship, they lost their land, they lost everything. They went to Babylon in exile. Everything that made them the Jewish people, the chosen people of God, was removed from them. And in that process of that absence, from everything, they actually came to a deeper appreciation of who God was, and it purified them. And then when they were able, when God surprisingly rescued them and brought them back, it helped them see that God is not just the God of our land, this is the God of the universe, this is the true King. And they came back with a renewed energy and a renewed life into their vocation to be the light to the world. Father Harrison said, the church is a new Israel. And we can look at the events of Israel to help us try to understand what's happening in the church today. In the same way that Israel lost their temple, their kingship, their land, we lost our sacraments and our access to our churches for a time. Even still, many people, the elderly and vulnerable, they aren't able to access Mass and the sacraments in the way they could before the pandemic. This is not new in the history of, of God's working with His people. You know, He does this with Israel. This has happened in history before, too, in the church, with other plagues when churches are closed down. This is not a unique moment. Uh, this is how God often acts to bring us to an even deeper vigor. So I, I think for me, the, the heart of this, too, is that there's a deep hope here for renewal for the church if we can open our hearts to listen. Father Harrison's experience of spiritual renewal is something he hopes to share with the world through a new book, Finding Christ in the Crisis, What the Pandemic Can Teach Us. Father Harrison co-wrote the book with his editor at the Our Sunday Visitor publication, Simply Catholic. And we would just text and chat during the initial lockdowns. And we were just noticing reactionism to a lot of things that were happening instead of quiet receptivity. And we felt, and we thought, you know, sometimes there were perhaps some unhealthy attitudes manifesting themselves. And that's not always a bad thing per se. It's not, it's not a judgment. It's just, it's a revelation. As the two talked more and more about it, they decided to create a series of articles that could publish on the Simply Catholic website. But Father Harrison said it didn't seem like it would be enough. And as we kind of talked about more and more, we said, no, this needs to be like a resource that you can hand out to people. We just want this to be a tool to help build hope and, and to build up, yeah, actually the three theological virtues of faith, hope, and love. So they compiled their thoughts into a book that was published in the fall of 2020. How can we foster and encourage people to listen to what God is doing in the life of the church and the world right now? What is he maybe asking us to rediscover? Um, 
what kind of attitudes is he asking us to embrace? Is he purifying us? You see, that's a hard question that we're not quite open to. We're not used to this idea that God might be purifying his church through events sometimes. Not that God directly intends the event, but rather that God works through events to bring about a good end. The time we are living is undoubtedly difficult. Father Harrison said we can be realistic about the difficulties of this time while still maintaining the virtue of Christian hope. You know, I think there is a balance there, but it's about the thing like when we do feel down or alone or discouraged, that those feelings won't go away per se. But the Christian faith says that this is where the cross is at work. And often that's the place where, where Christ actually might be showing his closeness to us. But the cross is still a cross, right? You know, when we say that the cross is really the source of hope as a Christian, um, it doesn't remove the pain of the cross. It just inserts God's presence into that pain. And that's, that's kind of the key to the Christian way. It's saying, no, the cross is central. You're not gonna, the suffering's not gonna go away. It's not gonna decrease, but you know you're not alone in it anymore. We have a God who suffers it with us. So when we're feeling discouraged, alone, angry, it only becomes a problem when we don't do that rooted in Christian hope. Not, which is not wishful thinking, but rather to say, I recognize the presence of Christ here. Finding Christ in the Crisis is available on Amazon and our Sunday Visitor. one of the hard things is just having your routine shattered, some of the connections you have with other people vanishing. And, you know, it takes a bit of work then to build up from scratch what you otherwise could rely on from other people. Hi, my name is Leah Labreska Sargent. Leah is a convert from atheism and writes and thinks a lot about how to build up strong Christian communities. In fact, she wrote a whole book about it a couple of years ago called Building the Benedict Option. In her book, Leah encourages Catholics to create opportunities in their lives to interact more with their faith community. This can include hosting people more often for dinner or events at their home, especially on feast days. Her book offers tips on how to make these additional interactions more successful in building tight-knit Christian communities. But I'm sure you realize where this is going. A lot of the ideas in the book involve, well, meeting face-to-face with people. Something that's still pretty tricky in many areas, even a year into the pandemic. So, like pretty much everyone last year, Leah has had to adapt to not being able to form as many face-to-face community connections as she normally would. I think in some ways what the pandemic has done is it's strengthened some of my ties with people who I've fallen out of touch with a little and who don't live nearby and weakened them a bit with my actual neighbors some of the time. With most areas of the country still restricting worship in some ways, it's harder to connect with people at weekly mass. And we've been lucky in Princeton, you know, they've been taking good safety precautions and it's been safe to do for the most part since the summer. But every time we can't, we try and make that an opportunity prayer for, you know, people who are in more remote places who have, you know, a traveling priest who doesn't come every week, even in normal times, or people who are living under persecution and to try and take this unexpected and unwanted fast uh, from the mass as an opportunity to pray for people for whom this is a ongoing struggle pandemic or no. So, you know, if you can't go to mass or can't go to mass as often as you used to, 
you know, part of the question might be, do you have a friend who is also in this position and you guys might just call each other and pray a rosary or a chaplet together? Is there a way that this can become something you share with others rather than just uh, a time of isolation? And it's it's quite hard, so I don't want to, to sugarcoat that at all. Still, Leah's been proactive about keeping connections with friends alive. For example, she's taken on several pen pals. And yes, we're talking about snail mail here. I've done a bit more getting in touch with college friends, people who I used to live in the same city with, um, and then getting to do more with them, but less of the kind of spontaneous moments that keep growing out of repeated contact with people. So a little bit more pen palling rather than prayer immediately together with people. Another habit Leah had even before the pandemic was sending things to people that she found spiritually enriching in the hopes that they would find it spiritually enriching too. Send things that I enjoy in my own spiritual reading to particular friends who I know are also interested in this topic or this saint. Obviously, building Christian communities outside the home is something that has been made more difficult by the pandemic. But Leah has found that the extra time she's spent at home has actually helped her and her family pray more. Leah and her husband, Alexi, welcomed their first child in January 2020. So a lot of their domestic church traditions in this past year have been shaped by that. So some of our traditions are things like, there's no Advent wreath this year because the baby will eat it. Which is meant that a lot of our traditions have to be things that are less tangible um, because literally everything in the house goes into her mouth. A habit that Leah and her husband have gotten into is doing spiritual reading out loud to each other. So we we had finished earlier this year some of the biblical poetry of Gregory of Nazianzus, and now we're reading uh, Robert Cardinal Seurat's um, The Day Is Now Far Spent, both of which have been really lovely. One of the keys to a healthy spiritual life is silence and cultivating periods of silence every day for prayer and peacefulness. This is something that Leah has been working on for a while. And she says that the birth of her first child has, perhaps paradoxically, helped her to find quieter moments than she had before. For me, a baby is sometimes an excuse not to find those periods of silence. But, you know, to be honest, she's more helpful for my spiritual life than just me on my own. Because a baby forces you to be fully present in the moment, to put aside some of your own goals or own plans for the day. And, you know, if she falls asleep on top of you after what's been you know, a rough afternoon, suddenly it is enforced silence. You didn't bring anything over to read to the nursing table. And it's just you and the baby and God. And if you weren't planning to have any silent prayer, too bad. Now it's the time. So, you know, I think I think she's you know an excellent spiritual teacher and all that. The human toll of the pandemic has a lot of people thinking about death. Not only the deaths of others, but also their own death. Leah says that for Catholics who believe in resurrection, thinking about death is not necessarily a bad thing. The church has always told us to meditate on our own deaths and to make that part of our spiritual practice. It's part of how we know who God is, because he has done this for us. He's defeated death and freed us from uh, fear of it. But that doesn't make it easy. That's why we talk about this as a spiritual practice, something we have to do deliberately again and again uh, to build up that trust in God and that knowledge of who he is. And so I think the pandemic is really forcing that good spiritual practice on us in a much more stressful and frightening way than if we'd chosen it ourselves. 
This meditation on what it means to die and for things to end applies not just to individuals, but to the church as a whole. And I think it's a moment for pastors to also reflect and say, you know, did I prepare my congregation for this unexpected catastrophe? Um, or were too many of my sermons just about peaceful, happy times and not about living with adversity? Because I've belonged to parishes sometimes where it feels like every story is a happy story. And it makes you wonder, you know, how do you feel in the pew if you're going through a time of profound grief or, you know, a real period of spiritual aridity? Are you remembering that that's part of spiritual life or does it feel like you're a bad Christian for having a hard time? Even in non-pandemic times, there are always going to be people grieving and suffering. And Leah says the church shouldn't shy away from addressing that. There's always someone, you know, in your neighborhood, in your parish, who's going through a time that's just as hard as it is now, but it isn't shared. So part of the question is, whatever's going on now that's helping us take care of each other, how do we continue that when there isn't you know, the shock of a pandemic to remind us that people around us are suffering? The pandemic hasn't only brought challenges, however. There have also been some fun opportunities for enhancing the sergeant's family life, such as a sourdough starter. If you're only feeding one thing in your house, it should be the baby, not the sourdough starter. If you couldn't tell, Leah is pretty passionate about baking. The big thing this year, especially with the new baby, is making large batches of cookies and then freezing a bunch of them, um, the dough, so that there could always be fresh cookies, even if it's a very busy day and it's not plausible to make any. It's great. For CNA Newsroom, I'm Mary Farrow. We'll be right back. On Wednesdays, we wear pink. On Mondays, we listen to CNA Newsroom. My name is Carl Bunderson. I'm managing editor at Catholic News Agency. If you're listening to this right now, there's a 30% chance you're already subscribed to CNA Newsroom. It's like I have ESPN or something. But if you're not subscribed to CNA Newsroom, you can't sit with us. CNA Newsroom is available on every podcast platform, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Search for CNA Newsroom and tap the subscribe button. And while you're at it, leave us a rating and a review. We're not like a regular podcast. We're a cool podcast. Now back to the show. Before we start, just a quick note. This segment is best enjoyed through headphones. You'll thank me later. Cast your mind back for just a moment to the golden age of radio. Back in the day, you might hear FDR speaking to a captivated nation during one of his fireside chats. My fellow Americans, the sudden criminal attacks perpetrated by the Japanese... You might marvel at the prowess and integrity of Superman. Up in the sky, look, it's a bird! You might share the thrill of the Lone Ranger as he gallops through the Wild West on his trusty steed, Silver. A fiery horse with a speed of light, a cloud of dust, and a hearty high Silver, the Lone Ranger. I grew up listening to old radio shows like uh, The Shadow, Lone Ranger, Johnny Dollar, X-Minus One, all of those good ones from the 1940s through 60s. 
knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men. <laughs> My name is Peter Atkinson, and I'm the CEO of The Merry Beggars. We're a Catholic theater company that's dedicated to working with artists to create stories and entertainment that reveal the dignity of man through the stories that we tell. We were founded in 2019, and it was uh, me and the board members and a few friends of mine who were in the acting industry as well um, that banded together and founded this. Peter and his friends were planning all kinds of in-person events for 2020, including a conference for high school drama teachers and local events for artists in New York and Washington, D.C. And then when COVID hit, our mission remained the same, to try to heal our culture through theater and storytelling. But obviously, in-person events were not popular anymore, and in-person events in New York City were even less popular. So the Merry Beggars set out to do something different. They decided to create a series of brand new, highly produced, mini radio plays for people to listen to in the comfort of their homes. Welcome to the Quarantine Plays, presented by the Merry Beggars. My name is Peter Atkinson. I love doing radio, and I love creating audio shows. But Peter wouldn't be the one writing the plays. That challenge they opened up to the world, calling for prospective playwrights to send in their best scripts, with the requested theme of quarantine. In response to this extraordinary circumstance, and as an effort to support artists during this difficult time, we launched a contest for 10-minute radio plays in response to the theme of quarantine. There's never been a global experience of quarantine and isolation like we've had since March. And so the board member, who's a, a priest, Catholic priest, he said to me, you know, there's so much experience of or opportunity to enter into Christ's suffering in all of these quarantine situations. But in the secular world, it sort of gets lost. And so he, he pointed me in that direction, and I came back at him and said, well, why don't we do a, a quarantine contest play? And then we launched it and we got over 210 responses from around the world. Ireland, Australia, New Zealand, a ton of the United States. And then I, I spent a, a very feverish few weeks organizing 35 judges doing, I think, I mean, over 400 probably readings of the plays, um, at least over 200 and then eventually whittling it down to the top three. Uh, but then there were so many that we wanted to produce that we ended up committing to producing um, 12 of them. So we're in the, in the middle of that cycle now. Quarantine is a fairly open-ended theme for a radio play, but the time limit was just 10 minutes. Writing such a short piece may sound like a piece of cake, but crafting a cohesive story into a 10-minute limit is harder than you might think. One of the things that you realize whenever you're reading plays for any contest is that writing a good play is actually pretty hard. And so a lot of the plays were, you know, just not up to snuff. The actual plots of the radio plays they received varied pretty widely. The most inter interesting things to me were the plays that focused on experiences of quarantine in our everyday life. 
you had allegorical retellings of, of Adam and Eve's departure from the, the Garden of Eden to stories of astronauts in the International Space Station to family road trips to, you know, all over the place. So it was, it was, really, it was really beautiful to see how each playwright reflected on the theme of quarantine in his or her own experience and, and really produced something pretty unique. Peter and his team had their work cut out for them, turning the scripts into actual radio plays. Peter worked directly with the artists whose plays they picked to hear from them about their ideas for how to turn the script into a compelling radio play. I don't think of scripts as a set of instructions for the director to follow, like a recipe. I think scripts are more like someone singing or improvising part of a jazz song. And then it's up to the director and the actors to respond to that improvisation. Um, and it's that sort of creative back and forth that, that makes it come alive. Announcing the new Eurasian Treaty. Buy your war bonds, buy your munitions stock today. And the first script is a radio program. And so most of the voices you hear are distorted through an AM, FM radio. You are listening to the UK Survival Broadcast. For those alive to hear it, it is now time for Do You Remember? with Relaxabot938. This episode of Do You Remember? is brought to you by Rickerfeld's Mystery Rations. Rickerfeld's Mystery Rations, no one knows what's inside them, that's the exciting part. Remember to ask... And then the second play, Friend Request, is really like two intersecting monologues, like internal monologues of two young people, and so it's sort of like diary entries from each of them. Every day we read about more COVID-19 deaths, but unless you work in a hospital... Those deaths are invisible and silent, so silent. Just like living people. Sometimes I see ants from my living room window. I mean, they're people, not ants, but they look like ants from my apartment on the 15th floor. They're scurrying about to do their essential task and then run back home. I don't hear them at all. And there is one script in particular, which I really liked. It's a really simple script, but it's really beautiful. It's called I Do Like the Rain. And we just uh, released the production of it, actually. So you can listen to it if you want. What should we do? I don't know, Jen. It doesn't look like it's going to start moving anytime soon. They shut down the entire interstate loop because a hazmat truck crashed. Oh, no. Who woke the baby? It wasn't my fault. And it's about a family that gets stuck in traffic, and the um, the script is about the husband and wife's interior journey to some old family wounds that they have, and then a, a the beginning of a journey of healing. Oh, wonderful! Now it's started to rain. You like the rain. I do like the rain. I could be washing dishes right now. Don't you like that? I like a clean kitchen. I like the sound of the rain. It's so quiet now that the kids are asleep. It's 
Lovely. There's, you know, issues of resentment that come up. There's issues of frustration, uh, difficulties in the father-son relationship. And through his wife, there is a grace that enters into the picture of what healing that relationship might look like. By the way, they got thousands of auditions for actors to play parts in the plays. And we were able to actually get actors from around the country recording in at-home studios. As you'd imagine, most radio plays are not recorded with all the actors remote, never being in the same room. It was a challenge. I'll set up a Zoom call with them and put myself on mute, and then they'll record, and I'll unmute myself, coach them, direct them, et cetera, et cetera. And then, for for instance, the last show, uh, the actors don't record with each other. So the last show had four actors, two child actors and two adult actors. And so I had four recording sessions, which resulted in, in four hours of audio. And then I edit that down to 10 minutes where I'm selecting different takes from each of the actors to create one emotional arc for all of the actors together. And that way we're able to get a really professional level audio, both performances and audio quality, even though they were never in the same room and they recorded at completely different hours of the day. Are you comfortable, Darcy? If you fall asleep quickly, you'll wake up and we'll be at Grandpa's house. Like real magic? Real magic, Darcy. Grandpa always gives me blue lollipops when we visit. I don't like those lollipops. They get me all sticky. It makes my fingertips turn blue. It's so funny. They're called fingertips, Gabe, not fingertops. But they're my tops. I'm talking about the top. That's wrong. They're called fingertips. Please don't squabble. We understand it what sounds you like they're all in Darcy. the same minivan together. And it's just, it's just, it's just magical to me. I do like the rain. So far with each of the scripts, we've come up with sort of a, a beginning visual experience for the audience. And then we'll craft the sound design around that so that within the first two or three minutes of listening to each of these radio shows, you, as the audience member, you sort of get ushered into the world of the play. Do you remember rock pools? Do you remember treasure hunts? Do you remember the carousels? Do you remember all of the good that the government has done for you? Do you remember your life before the government? Do not remember your life before the government. As anyone who works in the entertainment industry knows, it's very difficult for writers to get their work produced, especially when it comes to movies, plays, or TV. And this is especially true for works that convey an authentic Christian message. I've seen so many Christian Catholic artists want to go into the acting industry and the entertainment industry. And it's a really hard industry uh, to, to make your way in. Peter says he hopes to eventually put on workshops for Catholics looking to connect with entertainment industry professionals in New York City and beyond. There's this desire to re-encounter God and also to 
you know, re-experience the beauty of the faith. The Quarantine Plays are publishing as podcast episodes once a month. If you'd like to hear the full episodes, visit themerrybeggars.com. To me, the way that you heal the culture is you tell the truth about the human person. And the truth about the human person is that we're made for God. And that, you know, as St. Augustine said, we will be restless until our hearts are resting in. And so I think these stories do a really tender and, and beautiful job of touching upon our, our need for God and how in quarantine that quiet desire for God can surface in a really beautiful, tender, and, and fragile way. For CNA Newsroom, I'm Jonah McKeown. CNA Newsroom is a production of Catholic News Agency, a service of EWTN News. I'm Kate Oliveira, and I was your host this week. I produce and edit this show with the help of our assistant producer, Jonah McKeown. Special thanks this week to Father Harrison Eyre, Leah Labresco, and Peter Atkinson. Thanks, guys, for listening. And if you have a minute, please leave CNA Newsroom a rating and a review. We'd appreciate it. We'll see you next week.